captured Bart and Callista, we have been betrayed. The Warmaster has turned for the life of the Emperor. No, it cannot be. Why would Horus do this? He has fallen to darkness. He must flee the system. Take these four remembrances to terror. They carry word of this heresy. The navigators tell me the warp is in turmoil. We will be ripped apart. We cannot do this. You must have faith in your ship, my old friend. Your service will be remembered. We will carry word and ensure the galaxy knows the War Master's treachery. And when we can, we will send the Legion to reclaim your sarcophagus. Only in death does duty end. Hello and welcome to the, one of the Christmas specials that we're doing for Edge of Empire. And this time we thought we would expand our horizons dramatically uh, by introducing some different voices onto the show, um, which is very exciting. And, and myself, Graham and Robert Hero here are all very excited. So we'll, I'll start with their instructions. Uh, so Robert and Graham, 399 miles north of me, I believe. Thereabouts. Thereabouts, yeah. Thereabouts. Three thousand six hundred and twenty-one miles to the west of them. We are joined by two of the stars of the Remembrances Retreat uh, conglomerate of podcasts: uh, Jesse, the Chief Wrangler, and Jason. Hello. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Both well, I hope. Definitely. So good. Then we go 2,433 miles slightly uh, uh, northwest of them to Edmonton, Canada, and we're joined by Bill Bonko. Hey, how's it going, guys? Bill, awesome. thanks for joining us. Of course, you've uh, you've treaded these waters and spoken to uh, spoken to us before, so you're, you you know what sort of nonsense to expect in the forthcoming. Uh, <laughs> forthcoming session yeah for sure <laughs> and then we uh hop on a plane uh or a paddle boat if you're feeling particularly brave go 8257 miles uh, southwest to sydney australia and to be joined by andrew hollis hey young guys good morning good morning, yeah, exactly. good morning that is sir. the thing it's uh, evening where we are it's afternoon where the uh, the North uh, American uh, continental uh, participants are, and then it's yeah, bright and early starts uh, all around in Sydney. So uh, yeah, thank you everyone for joining us. We really appreciate you guys taking the time. And uh, yeah, so 1,450 miles cumulatively separate us, but we can still have a friendly conversation about heresy. Global, what a world! What a world hobby. we live in! What exactly. a world we live in today! Exactly. <laughs> Before cool. we'd be mailing each other letters, months yeah. and months in hands. Move your miniatures six inches here <laughs> and roll die. I mean, I know players that do that anyway. I mean, yeah. it, well, it feels like it, certainly. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I've, so, I've sat in front of people at a table that it feels like it would be quicker to do quicker. it. Costly, it quicker. Yeah, <laughs> that was, uh, yeah. That's definitely true. Definitely true. Well, then, shall we, shall we get cracking? Because 
<laughs> time zones being time zones, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and me lazy. being old, and <laughs> yeah, this yeah, being exactly. way past my bedtime. Yeah, I feel the, it's time to <laughs> the, the nurse will come and tuck you in soon. Like, right. I need to do this before they <laughs> yeah. put, put me under for the night. So <laughs> well, you retire, you'll be retired soon, Graham. Then there's no such thing as bedtime. You'll be all right. That's true. That is true. I look forward to the day. It's all pajama time then. We can say what's pink and wrinkly and hangs out of Graham's pajamas. It's gonna go. His head. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, about that probation report. Happy holidays, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Christmas episode, chaps, for the friend for the kids, bear in mind. Right. So we find ourselves at the end of a particularly crazy twenty twenty. And the question I kind of wanted, I wanted to start with to you guys, um, with the way that this year's turned out, how have you managed in your ways to sort of get get through the year as best you possibly could? Um, you know, we've all been experiencing different levels of, of confinement and, and, and government restrictions and things. So what, what are the things that you guys have been able to sort of focus on to get you through this year? Um, let's start. Let's let's start alphabetically. Um, let's start with Andrew. I thought it would go the other way around since I'm on the, the upside down of the world. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I do it any other way than that, I'll I'll be confused. So I'll. Uh... That's all good. So my kind of uh, sanity was kept by uh, basically ploughing through a heap of the old city K projects that I had on the back burner. Um, so I'd been doing a lot of events up until that point. So I'd actually just finished off my Act of Heresy series with the fifth event in January. And then I was kind of looking forward to 2020 being the year I was taking off uh, from event running and I would just play in campaigns that other people were going to be running. Sure. Um, so that went balls up. Um, <laughs> so, so instead, I've just been working on, um, I did a lot of my, my Xenos books. I started a Librarian mm. Terra book, a um, bit of Crusade conversion and Kickstarters and that sort of stuff. That's what kept me sane. Um, I, I don't actually paint models, um, so kind of building an army really wasn't up my alley. Uh, so I did book work and writing and fluff and narrative and that sort of stuff. Awesome. Yeah, I mean... I'm relieved that you know there's someone else that you know doesn't do painting. That's definitely a winner in my book. <laughs> yes, but we I'm are a minority, um, but yeah, it, there are other elements in the hobby that I, I yeah, enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing because you're sort of you know all the you know people have seen on or the groups and things all the um, different sort of rule systems that army lists and things that you guys have you've put together and and put out there to expand the, the the hobby so but that's that's sort of been the thing that's sort of kept you uh kept you ticking over this year that's right yeah oh, nice. it's got oh, cool. me through it got you through it nice uh who would who would like to go next i'll open it up to the um it's just a question for Andrew, really i mean the it's awesome right i suppose this one of the sort of unique things i suppose or feels like one of the unique things and maybe i'm wrong but certainly, you know, with the heresy is the is the effort of the community that sort of keeps the game going, if you see what I mean. So like all of the things that, you know, you guys have done with rules and what have you and looking at stuff. It's just uh, one of the things I really like is that's one of the things I really enjoy about it. You know, that everybody like across the world, if you like, contributes in some way um, and yeah, sure. taking things further on. I think it's really cool. 
in Australia especially, like we don't have any official Forge World or GW events or anything like that. So it's always been uh, very much community driven. And if if you're it's not the doing same it, in the UK, so don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not doing a tournament, then kind of narrative events even more so uh they're often not run by stores or other entities or anything like that so they've got to be local gaming clubs and everything so out of all of the formats i think heresy is the most independent of them in that it will irrelevant of what officially happens the community will constantly do things but Yeah. yeah i think that's a really good point definitely the case and you know we've I think they've sort of filled a, a, a gap. I mean, even like you say, we've got Forge World, you know, not too far away, and Games Workshop themselves, obviously UK based. But even so, it's um, it's definitely one of those in comparison to forty k. Um, it's definitely a lot of it is community driven. You know, and there's a certain, you know, you know everybody in the community and stuff like that. And it's it's um, it's certainly got something special about it. I think I think that's why people are very um, you know, drawn into it. I mean, think of the hours you put into this thing, for goodness sake. I mean, we're, we, we are sitting here doing a podcast about stuff uh, to do with the hobby. And um, I think that's just part of the part of the charm of it. Cool. Sorry. So, sure. Bill, because you were going to be doing um, sort of Adepticon this year. So did that, I mean, that focus kind of, I guess, was taken away. So what sort of things have you been doing to sort of keep, your, keep yourself from going to Lally? Well, with that, um, oof, where to start? Uh, 2020 definitely was uh, interesting, to say the least. Um, one of the, I guess, the biggest things that I've been doing to, you know, stay focused and stay sane um, is kind of stuff we're doing right now. Uh, meeting up with a lot of my gaming friends online, uh, be it Skype or Discord, and just having those hobby nights where we kind of, you know, all talk around the table like we're doing here and working on our projects, just getting stuff built or... Uh, sprayed up sometimes you can hear you know air compressors going in the background which is always uh nice <laughs> yeah familiar click clunk of the uh compressor yeah. Tool. yeah 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 <laughs> um that's that's been a huge uh, driving force and just interacting with people online uh through the various facebook pages and whatnot it's it's been good that way to stay connected uh we when we weren't in various states of lockdown we were able to get some gaming in which was nice. Uh, I was able to actually run a little mini event at my house uh, with 10 people and it was really good. And then shortly thereafter, a couple of weeks, it was back on lockdown. So if you were lucky enough to roll, throw dice I and mean, that's going to be a, a pretty rare occurrence it's all made <laughs> everywhere this year. So, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's been the one thing it's uh, wherever we can, even, you know, even if it was a quick match in the old garage hammer, uh, it worked out pretty good because you know playing outside it wasn't so bad as having a bunch of people inside as well. So yeah, yeah. yeah definitely worked out good. Nice. Yeah, we we had that. Um, you know, with Company of Legends, we had to. You know, it was a bit. We were a bit unsure what we could do, and then we had to basically postpone the whole year, which was a real pain um, for a lot of reasons. But um, yeah, it was uh, good to see somebody somewhere manage to get some games in for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, with with LVO having the uh, co- current COVID uh, restrictions, whatnot, and being cancelled now for 2021, gives a good like solid year now of planning for 2022. Yeah. Where I'm gonna uh, hopefully be toing there again to just bring some new stuff 
right to the uh, heresy scene and yeah, just keep yeah things because, evolving yeah because we found that sort of me and graham have gone back and looked at things this year and, and sort of tweaked stuff for next year that we kind of hadn't thought about so i mean that has been sort of the for us certainly it was one good thing that we kind of yeah. had that advantage where a little bit of space a little bit of wiggle room to sort of look at things and go oh actually no we can do something slightly cooler yeah i would like to say that that means we've got all of company of legends you know finished and written but unfortunately, Chris and I do definitely run on <laughs> student schedule, you know, which is basically, oh, that's fine. I've got weeks to do that. And it's like, actually, that's a week. You've now got to write the last three yeah. three that, stories for this that, thing. That we, should have had, that we should have had written at the beginning of yeah. <laughs> February last year. I've, I've year. booked some time off from work. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to sit and play on my PlayStation. I am oh, going to yeah, actually get the last two stories done. We've got all the scenarios done. We did some cool work with the... Um, uh the kind of bounty system that we're going to use in the next one as well so but yeah i'd like to say it's that motivation is, is another we haven't, we haven't actually discussed that publicly yet well now we have special mm, bonus, spoilers bonus yeah content. absolutely oh, it, it is a special yeah. bonus episode so that's oh, yeah. true yeah. Yeah. a little brucey bonus nugget of information we'll draw yeah. that sneak peek yeah absolutely so anyway sorry. Um, so, so jesse and, and, and jason i suppose because you guys have the podcast so has that sort of been the thing that's kind of kept you guys sort of flowing through sort of getting through the year so being able to do bits and pieces of that or has that kind of been a bit of a burden at times uh it it can be a bit of both sometimes to be honest (laughs) um yep (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah when when everything started to go down for us back in uh march and april we started going just wild with just releasing episodes like almost a couple a week it was crazy i don't know what i was doing with myself and then (laughs) and then uh not to get too personal my job uh put on some more responsibilities for me and uh trying to wrangle that with also figuring out exactly how i'm supposed to do work from home which i've never done before in my over a decade of working uh it, it was a little rough at first but we finally hit our stride and um like Stephen Austin, st- uh, st- uh, Stephen Austin uh, stepped up and made their uh, Battlefleet Heresy podcast, which yeah, helped me out with. The, yep, like I helped them out the first few episodes, and then kind of let them off do their own thing, and they just send me the audio and tell me exactly where they messed up, and then I can just uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, take care of that. So that that helped me out quite a bit. But, yeah, um, because you guys sort of split your show into different sort of um, subsections, don't you, for people that haven't yeah, listened before? It, so yeah, our our group we have such a large, close knit group that getting together for a podcast is almost downright impossible to get everybody uh, wrangled around for one or two hours at the same yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the, the four of us <laughs> on our show. We have a hard enough time trying to do that, so I can only imagine with you guys because it's yeah, a fair, I like it. a fair few. Yeah, Jason, Dave, and Pat. They kind of went on their own way with the Heresy Grad School segment and made their own mm-hmm. podcast. And Stephen and Austin like to talk uh, starships, so they did their own thing. And I just kind of stayed the mass with the main cast and just talked the general heresy area itself. But uh, luckily for me, for this year, uh, having the Dark Angels releases throughout uh, the second half of the year helped me out quite a bit because it's pretty much the only army I play. Sure. So... <laughs> Nice. I've been playing Dark Angel since 2016, so finally getting some actual decent rules uh, is pretty awesome. <laughs> well, 
it, we, it was going to happen at some point. At least you yeah. got decent rules out of it. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, yeah. we, we, we were happy. We were happy, man. The day, you know, I think most people were. I mean, I haven't seen anybody unhappy with the Dark Angels, to be honest with you, and the rules that they've got. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a bit of a, uh, a bit of angst when it first came out from the internet, and I was like, I, I don't know about this. But as I looked through the rules and stuff, and sure, there's a few, you know, odds and ends that might need an FAQ, but overall, yeah. it's a solid list. It's a little pricey as far as points goes, but I feel it's a very viable uh, army to play. A lot of fun. And unfortunately, it's given me four or five different extra projects I can work on. Thanks, <laughs> Rights of War. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, the, the, with that sort of great choice comes great responsibility, when I said, oh. to sort of paraphrase. But yeah, Absolutely. it's like, you know, you can think, oh, I can do this and I can do this and I can do this. And it does limit, you know, it does spread out so many different ways of, of um, using that legion. Um, I think that's a really great thing. And probably I imagine things to come in the future will be very similar, but it may of course just be the first legion and their sort of own unique kind of law that would allow that. But yeah, I think, I think uh, sorry. No, no, you're fine. I was thinking that the hardest hit for us here on the East coast and a little bit, I guess, uh, central of the U S uh, having the Nova open be canceled in the fall on top of the Adepticon, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, being canceled in March, which I was going to be my first time going there back in uh, March. Had my plane ticket and ticket ready to go, and then two weeks beforehand it canceled. Maybe it was a week and a half. I can't remember. It was very soon, and it canceled that for you know absolutely acceptable reasons. And then Nova fell through, so it was pretty difficult because for us, for our group, Nova Open is just like an hour and a half away for all oh, of us yeah. to get together, and we just have a great time every year. So. Fingers crossed for uh, 2021. Because I know Adepticon's postponed for next year as well now, isn't it? So Yes. So yeah, 2022, fingers okay. crossed. If we start saving now, we could all, you know, all meet for a coffee. Oh, it wouldn't yeah. be great. It wouldn't be spectacular. I mean, Nova Open, I've not actually looked at that. that so that was that's kind of like your sort of lo- no, local... No, that's a big event, Nova. Big, big, big one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Just goes to show I haven't um, had trouble with Blooming Forge World's schedule, frankly. Yeah, so. yeah. I think the, <laughs> the big three, are, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's uh, Adepticon, uh, Nova, and I'm not, uh, I know the LVO is also pretty large as well. Oh, I'm yeah. not, I, I've never been there, so I couldn't tell you what the numbers are, but I think those are the big three uh, gotcha. conventions. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to do a road trip one yeah. day. <laughs> um, you have to build a long, bloody road. There's a freaking ocean in the way. And I was, I was planning to go over to. Uh, well, the UK twice this year, yeah, and Germany, but uh, all that fell through for gotcha. you know, the obvious yeah, reasons. Well, but I'm hoping that uh, I can change that here when uh, yeah. things change itself, because I would love to uh, head up there and meet you guys and roll some dice yeah, at some point. Absolutely. That would be amazing. Yeah. I'll bring yeah, some Virginia we're not peanuts over there anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so no, we can make, we can make exceptions. Oh. You're, yeah. you're allowed. You're one of the you're one of the percentage that have got passport. And, and well, and Caro's a German citizen, so I'm not sure how the EU stuff is going to work out, but we'll figure it no, out. Man. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. <laughs> I've just missed. Uh, yeah, with, um, we, don't, we don't know, and we live here, so you yeah, know. exactly. No, no <laughs> idea what's happening. In the yeah, anything else you can fit into that food parcel along with the Virginia peanuts will probably be really greatly appreciated <laughs> by the time you guys get here. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. We'll see what we can smuggle it, it, in. It'll be like the good old days where we're exchanging things for nylons and such, like back in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, over, o- overpaid, overpointed, and over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jason, with the heresy grad school stuff, because that's sort of yep. um, sort of deep dive, isn't it? Into or not, or not deep, but, you know, that's sort of looking at the 
um, sort of the history and the sort of the narrative. Uh-huh. Um, did, has that sort of uh, sort of helped you to get through the year, sort of with the focusing and focuses on that? <clears throat> or yes and no, because the way we do it, uh, well, the running joke is. Uh, we call it heresy grad school because now Pat, Dave, and I are all uh, have particular levels of you know master's degrees. Sure. So uh, that's why we make fun of Pat. He just got his. He's the baby, <laughs> despite the fact he runs everything, uh, kind of like Jesse for the main cast. Uh, <clears throat> so Dave and I, uh, Dave is our uh, conspiracy theorist. So. I love that, like, I'll read through and it's like, hey, guys, I'm basically reading the textbook to you. And then Dave comes back and he's like, all right, yeah, but if you translate uh, the galactic coordinates from page 73, like over in the margin here, uh, and cross-reference it with a statement AK made in book seven, you'll see that it really ends up being like secret coordinates for like where on, I don't know, Titan, (laughs) you know, the... Gray Knight base ends up being, you know, by the end of the heresy. Wacky wow. stuff like that. That is amazing. So, um, that is, I must admit, I would never, I mean, I don't even, well, the guys know that fundamentally I just generally tend to read the rules and that's about it. So, but to go into that level of detail, no, I mean, how fortunate that clever. Well, we got that started because that's what we were hearing a lot. Um, and I understand, like, it is a game. And, you know, the rules for the, you know, little dudes you spend so much time painting are important. But so often we'd hear like people just like, uh, you know, always clamoring for the rules whenever, you know, Forge World would demo something uh-huh. new. Yeah. And Dave and I uh, would always be like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. We'll we'll read the math stuff later. But tell me, like, what's going on with like the the nameless king? Like, I want to know what's going on there. Like what? Gotcha. You know, tell tell me about these Terran night lords that like you know end up in uh, with uh, teeth that end up sharp without the need to file them and yeah the, the, so the the uh, extra extra claw thing on the back of their feet that kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah so, I see uh, what you mean yeah those are the yeah good point good point so are you on are you on the camp that believe that Sevatar became a gray knight then I would really. I would like to believe it because Dave and I have had this conversation back and forth a whole bunch. We essentially know like who all of the four founding members of the Inquisition were by this point. Uh, well, three for definite, one kind of you know arguable. But um, it would be really fun if it was. But they have flat out shifted things that seem like really really obvious before. Like uh, originally. Uh, there's this short story of the Iron Hands called Feet of Iron. And in it, there's this really, really ham-fisted uh, allusion to Alpharius, or maybe Omegon, uh, being one of the, the first Grand Master of the Grey Knights. Uh, because, you know, Janus, like, two faces. and sure. yeah. But, uh, Roman mythology just, 101 meets 30k. Exactly. But now, just uh, spoilers for like a three-year-old story, uh, <laughs> flat out, they declared it was one of the, you know, shards of Magnus absorbed by, you know, a thousand sun kiddo. So, you know, it's always up in the air. And 
Sorry, my cat just uh, demanded attention here. <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't be an Edge of Empire recording unless there was a cat doing cat something in the, in the background. So, yeah. totally I, fine. I, I don't think that's uh, limited just to Edge of Empire. It's a heresy <laughs> thing, really. <laughs> Probably, yeah. It's like toy soldiers and crazy cat people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got um, three of them. So, one's in the room at any time, regardless. <laughs> so, it's interesting. I mean, that's, I suppose that is the joy of the game, isn't it? I mean, a lot of people get a great deal of satisfaction from that, you know, and that discussion about the things that kind of the trailing things. I mean, I'm not as you know, a, a great fluff person. You're, you're, you're there for the, the 35 pages, sort of three quarters <laughs> of the way towards the back. Everything of everything else is sort of uh, a bookstop. Yeah, yeah. But um, I do like things like, you know, like that when there is something, where there's like a, a thread of something that's that's not quite obvious, you know, that there is that there's some speculation there, that that makes the, the the history that much richer. I liked the idea of these the sort of immortal guys, you know, like John, whatever his name was, John Grammaticus. Grammaticus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was a really oh, cool concept as well. And like that, Demon Cratanus. He's terrific. I don't know why they chose to give give him like a New York accent in the audiobook. Yes, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, it's it's also quite a ropey accent as well. That's the thing. Like, when I listen to it, I'm oh, just yeah. like, oh, really? I, I I'm, think even, I'm not even from America, and I just think that's pretty bad. <laughs> but yeah, those those kinds of things I think are really interesting. Um, so I guess from our what what about motivation? So I mean, this is to give you some idea of the things that you know, particularly this year that have been difficult. Um, I think is getting that because I enjoy because I enjoy playing so much. That's kind of my main thing. And I'm not a great painter, and I kind of paint stuff. The only sole reason is that I like a painted army if I'm playing. And all of a sudden, all of that was kind of just taken away. So I did find that motivation to, you know, get on and paint or do anything heresy-related. Other than, If I hadn't been for the podcast, I probably wouldn't have done anything, to be honest with you. So that was good in that regard to keep Barely that did that. Really did. I've got quite a lot painted, though, to be fair. Um, yeah, but you yeah. can tell how weird 2020's been. You've been painting Mechanicum and Ultramarines. I mean, what kind of weird vortex have we been sucked into? <laughs> well, it was something different. You're an Imperial Fist Army next. Yeah, that's never going to happen. Um, that's 2021. That's 2020, the revenge. Is 2020. That's when the 5G gets turned on and the chip in his head gets activated and he yeah, starts painting yeah. yellow. Well, the only way that I would do that is if I were, I'd like to do a traitor one just to troll Chris a bit. But um, <laughs> that would be, I'm actually, I've got, he sent me a Battlefleet, uh, I've got a Battlefleet Heresy or Battlefleet, Battlefleet Gothic um, that saw on eBay and got it. And I was thinking, oh, so Chris was having a moan about Iron Warriors in, in the podcast this month. I thought, these are going to get painted up as Imperial Fists. Because <laughs> they're all traitor, oh. traitor ships. I've already um, got an Imperial Fist fleet, don't you? I have to blow those out of water. Uh, so anyway. Um, but yeah, I don't know if anybody else has experienced that um, in terms of that sort of motivation for hobby. No. Fair enough then. Just me. I think that's fairly safely just you there, G. <laughs> yeah, but you like painting, though, don't you? I mean, yes, that's I part, of your, part of your. Um, I suppose also, so like uh, Bill and Andrew, you guys are quite sort of events focused. Uh, you know, um, so knowing that nothing's going to happen, that must have, you know, just to continue on Graham's uh, surprise question, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is I suppose it's, you know, and we, you know, we've, as we just said, we've had the same thing where you know this event's not going to happen so you kind of just go oh 
it's in the future at some point. It's you know, you guys must have found that um it's like trying to drag that motivation to do those things again. It, you know, or have you guys just been able to uh, uh tunnel vision it and sort of maintain that sort of level of focus that you would have done in any other year? Um I, I suppose I was in a lucky situation in that I was already kind of gearing up to not be running events. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, like I'd put a heap of effort into Active Heresy 5 and we got a hundred, over 100 players for that and it was kind of the, the culmination of that five-year series. Uh, so it kind of went out on a, a good note. And in one way, I'm kind of glad that I finished the series on my choice rather than going, okay, well, there was going to be a six and then having to actually cancel it because of all of this. Um, it would have been a, a fair bit of work happening through the year. But so, so instead I was kind of sitting there just looking forward to actually playing things. So I, I didn't get that demoralizing aspect of, oh, I've put all of this effort into running an event or planning an event. Um, so instead I was just kind of like, ah, shit i i kind of really wanted to roll dice but oh well um it's not yep. not happening this year so I, I think the community itself suffered a bit because uh, again because we don't have really big conventions over here all of our events are run by community members so everything that people go to are, are smaller events campaigns local club groups and that sort of stuff so all of that came to a grinding halt um and i think the community itself kind of started looking for alternatives um, to, to kind of rather than playing like a 30-player heresy campaign once a month, um, they, were, they were looking at different options. But, yeah, uh, because I wasn't planning on running anything, I, I was a little bit safer. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how you went, Bill. Yeah, um, well, with uh, LVO 2020, we were able to run that because things still weren't quite... Uh known exactly what was going on and then actually for 2021 i was actually planning on taking uh the back seat as a player and letting one of the other guys uh, zach um bring some new ideas just because it's always nice to have you know another uh, perspective for the event so i was That's kind of looking forward to uh to playing myself and now that it's kind of been uh you know gone sideways we're just gonna make the best of it as we can. Uh, I, I recently ended up coming into a large uh, lot of terrain throughout the year in 2020, just as some people were kind of downsizing. And with having so many tables, I've got about 14 tables left to start building and painting. I'm kind of gearing up now as I'm uh, getting ready for 2021. But even if we're not playing in 2021 early, it's, it's still going to be uh a lot of work and we'll put you in contact just, with michael because he's the king of knocking out terrain so he's you know. another man with <laughs> yeah. 14 tables he, he yeah, joined yeah. the 14 table club yeah, yeah. wow it's, it's awesome so yeah god that is awesome cool okay um, so what i'm just gonna skip one of the things uh what are the things that you've seen in the community in la in a, in a wider you know, in the wider community what are the things that have sort of surprised you the most? Not so good things, they can be bad things, but what are the things that have um, sort, of, yeah, sort of taken you by surprise this year? I'll start with, um, start with Jesse this time. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 uh, 
abandoning the alphabetical order system straight away. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, as far as good things from the hobby, I I was surprised to see that I've seen just as much, if not more, uh, hobby stuff being churned out by the community worldwide on social media as far as like all sorts of different people with all sorts of different uh, paint schemes and legions and army projects. It's just been nonstop. It looks like nothing has slowed at all. The old, uh, the heresy is dead stuff is just out the window as far as I can tell. But on the flip side of that, and I, I quite sure this has to do with everything that's been going on this year is there was a whole lot more discontent and angst that I've seen this year too, as far as social media goes with the hobby and stuff. And that was a bit disappointing to see, but, um, yeah. Um, I, I think uh, it's just everyone, everyone's tired. Everybody's cranky. Everybody just wants to roll some dice and hang out with the homies. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true of a sort of wide society as well. And in, in, in every country, everyone, everyone's sort of narky with everyone else on, uh, yeah. on the internet. And yeah, it's, it as far is. as I can tell, though, I, I didn't see any Russian bots on the uh, Facebook pages for <laughs> Horse Heresy. <laughs> the Just because you didn't see them doesn't mean they weren't there. It must have been really good ones. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They've learned to take the numbers off the end of their names. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, who, wants, any, uh, any, who wants to go? Anyone wants to go next? Things that have surprised you this year. Well, on the other half of that, uh, Jesse was mainly the positive things online. Uh I'll back up his answer with a little more of the negative. Uh, Florida Warhammer 40K GT. That's exciting <laughs> towards the beginning of the year. As if we didn't need more reason to make fun of Florida. <laughs> and so, I don't know if you guys know about this. It's a popular American birthday tradition to Google your birthday and Florida man or Florida woman. You know, let's be yeah. inclusive. And uh, see what news story you came up with. So <laughs> mine was pretty good. Mine was a uh, June 7th Florida man headbutts alligator. Uh, my wife's completely blew it out of the water, though. It was April 27th. Florida woman practices karate on geese gets arrested. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> yeah. can't I mean, compete he, with that. No. Oh, <laughs> man. Even we've heard of Florida man. Yeah, oh, I, I was under the impression that Florida was just one giant retirement community. It is, but the problem is, so it's like 10% like attractive, big money tourist trap, and then 10% retirement communities. And those are the parts you see on TV. What you uh -huh. don't see is the 80% that's just hillbilly infested gator swamp. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> Oh yeah, that's is, true. Is, is the kung fu uh, practicing uh, women it's, clearly? It's women, yeah. Wow, there you go. Clearly, I'm, I'm surprised NASA just hasn't built an <laughs> island farther down, closer to the equator, to launch rockets from. But we'll get there one day. <laughs> so I think, in terms of uh, to sort of, in terms of things that surprised me, anyway, I think um, I'm not sure. I think it was there were some some like say the. I don't know whether it's one of those things like saying on the plus side, which is a really good point that I must admit I hadn't considered, which was the the content, the volume of content across the year, even though there aren't these events to go to and there aren't the things that, you know, we'd be sharing hundreds of pictures from these events across the country or across the world. But the but it hasn't 
dull it hasn't gone down any you know that there's still a huge amount of people contributing to a huge amount of different sort of facebook pages i mean there's loads of podcasts and everything so i think that's um you know if, if there's ever a thing that would make a community crumble it would be this if it wasn't strong at its foundation level and i think that's a really good point that you make that it's um it hasn't changed it hasn't got any less um i think the thing that surprised me i think like everybody was the the kind of the way that sometimes things are you know uh, the community can sometimes react to things quite quite negatively um but then i thought actually is it just because you notice the negative things more than you notice the positive things? You know, it's that sort of natural sort of human thing to do, I think, to sort of you see something online, oh, that's cool. And then the next thing you see is something, somebody saying something and you're like, oh, that's the thing that, you know, you focus on because it brings you down a bit. But, yeah, I, I, I was there were some really bizarre reactions to things that, um, yeah, did make me sort of, you know, make you sort of step back a bit, I think, and go, really? Well, that's a strange reaction to that because I would, don't think I would have ever had that reaction. But, um yeah, maybe that's just maybe that's just me. I think that's we've discussed that quite a bit, haven't we, on the show yourselves? Yeah. You you are quite zen though, Graham. For all for all your brother will snigger and laugh. You 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 can be you can be quite um you can be quite zen and centered. Whether that's just to do with your extreme age, or or, or whether it or, or whether it's like a, a proper sort of mental outlook on life. Zen. I don't know. Zen. Oh, honestly. Whatever. Comparison to you, Chris, to be fair, I, I, I'm talking about geese, a sort of very angry goose that was about to tear your genitals off would be considered quite zen in comparison. So, <laughs> so uh, there's, pe- uh, there's people who aren't on the good side of history that would be considered quite zen concept compared to yeah. Chris, I think. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> well, um, Look, it, I, didn't, I didn't come here to be insulted this evening. Oh. That's what happens when you set, set something up. You're That's well. true, yeah. <laughs> but, I think it's um you know, that reaction. Like I say, I think it's just, like I say, whether it's just people getting snarky or there's a. I think the thing that's bothered me the most recently, I think, and not because not just the reaction, but maybe is the lack of an FAQ. I think I think that's that's starting to rankle. Yeah. Um, in a lot of folks, and it's like these things have been wrong for a long time now, and it it doesn't feel like it would be a huge amount of work to put it right, but we don't know what the, you know what the internal workings of Forge were about. I think I said something early on in the lockdown that it's like, right, everyone's working from home now, so their normal projects have been put on hold until they're all back in the office. How mm-hmm. about you just say to somebody, do an FAQ and a red book full of missions and scenarios, and bring it, and we can do it by email, and we'll get it printed. Like yeah. to, this, this year, to a certain extent, would have been the perfect time because the traditional or the, the kind of schedule that they've had on the, the infamous whiteboard for five years, they'll have gone right. Well, we'll bin that off. So we'll, we'll, we'll come. We'll come back to that one okay. a bit later on. Um, Sorry. That's right. I, 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 there's a there's a question further on um, that I think that that's a good, that's a, a good place to sort of discuss that. Idea. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, so yeah, so, uh, so yes, yeah, surprises this year, Bill. Uh, anything that sort of surprised uh, well, you in our in our global heresy community? Believe it or not, um, like this year for LVO twenty twenty, uh, I, I ended up reaching out to a number of uh, different groups for missions, as you guys remember. Yeah. And what surprised me the most was when I actually stumbled upon like the Morn of All Events. Uh, like group and I was able to get in touch with Andrew and actually get one of the Mortal Little Events books like sent up here. Um, it was one of my friends, Mark, actually at 
LVO 2020 who had the book and he's like, hey, have you seen this before? And I was like, no. And he's showing me all the rules and all the like writing, the, just the layout. And I was totally blown away. And then just as the year progressed, um, picking up some other books uh, like from King Fluff, the Great Crusade series. I don't know if you guys are familiar yeah. with those ones. Yeah. 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 yeah so I, I picked those up too. And I was just blown away by the amount of work behind the scenes that all these other people are doing. And it really kind of inspired me to try and, you know, really dig deep and explore more of the alternative parts of heresy, I guess to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I thought that was a smashing idea. Um, the one that you came up with, which was to, you know, ask other folks for um, ideas for missions and stuff. I thought that was a genius piece of thinking because, uh, you know, there was some, it was fun to do, actually. It was it was nice to be asked and it was a lot of fun to do. But yeah, the Mornaval events, actually, that has definitely taken, um, I don't know if you're aware, Andrew, you're probably more than aware, but, you know, a lot of events now in the UK are using that as their kind of basis for, um, for you know, what people can bring to, to armies to give them a little bit of... Um, oh, yeah, massively. Apart from us, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, apart from us, because be we have <laughs> for no other reason than we probably uh, have enough trouble with the existing rules, but uh, we will get to it. Were you surprised by that, actually, Andrew? Just to sort of put you on the spot question, that one. Um, I, I like I, I help the, the Monoval guys uh, do a lot of the printing and distribution of their book, um, but I, um, I'm not terribly kind of. Um, okay, okay. up to date with it and that sort of stuff so, uh, so I've, I've flicked through it a little bit and that sort of stuff myself um, but yeah so I've I've just largely helped them do the the printing along with my old 30k stuff and help kind of distribute it for them so that it's all centralized but it's certainly um, yeah there there is certainly some f- uh, serious international interest in it we've we've got a yeah. lot of international distribution of the the books and that sort of stuff so which is fantastic yeah what have, what have been the things that then have uh, that have taken sort of surprised you in in, in good ways, um, bad ways? I, I think uh, on on one side of the coin, I was really impressed by how um, a lot of the areas of the community started um, uh, doing a lot more activity outside of running events for the benefit of the the community in general. So people running um discord meetings people running hobby workshops and that sort of stuff um for for no other reason other than to try and give other people outlets so the same mentality i suppose that exists with eos who are are running events for other people's enjoyment um a, a lot of focus shifted to trying to make sure that their fellow community members had an outlet to continue doing hobby um, yeah. Whether that was just a, a gathering, a virtual gathering, or actual dedicated, okay, today we are painting troops and uh, and that sort of stuff and doing painting courses. Um, that's something that pleasantly surprised me in that that kind of focus shifted from let's just play games to let's try and support the community and continue doing hobby Um which is a gratifying thing within the heresy community in my mind, um, that it's not just focused on rolling dice. Uh, there are other elements to it. Yeah. Um, it the, it's, it's that sort of um, big, big community kind of all sort of that's right. Reach, reach out kind of attitude, isn't it? I think. 
Yeah, it was it was kind of we can't throw dice, so let's let's do something else and maintain this community atmosphere, which is at, I don't know what it's like at other events, but a lot of our events in Australia is kind of playing the actual game at the event is only half the reason you go to the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind yeah. of having a yeah. beer and a pint with people at the event, after the event, catching up for dinner and all of that sort of stuff. And it's that community atmosphere that draws me to the the 30k gaming and that sort of stuff and i believe why it's so successful and why it's self so self-sufficient without the official support but um, yeah on the flip side um there was also the 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 drifting away but um it's something that i always expected so when when you get 40k edition changes good and bad you always get an influx into 30k and that sort of stuff and so for example when it moved to eighth people who didn't like eighth moved over to 30k so they continued playing seventh when ninth came out a lot of those people then moved back over to 40k that that happens they they didn't come to 30k necessarily because they wanted 30k they came to 30k because there was an active community and that it was a game system that they preferred um, so those players weren't necessarily kind of in, entrenched in that sort of narrative. They were just there for because it was the, the best option at the time. So I, I did find that throughout 2020 with um, a lot of the specialist games be, having a lot of focus with um, GW and that sort of stuff, a lot of the gaming, when we opened up because we got out of isolation a lot quicker, um, we were still able to kind of meet every so often, but certainly not on a large scale. So we had some casual gaming meets. And so a lot of the gaming has moved to Blackstone Fortress, Kill Team, um, Crusade 40K, um, Aeronautica Imperialist, Titanicus, Blood Bowl, all of that sort of stuff. There wasn't a whole lot of, even though we were able to play games, there wasn't a whole lot of 30k games being played, um, which which was a surprise. But yeah. I kind of recognised that those same people who were playing 40k and playing Blackstone Fortress were still actively painting and building a 30k army. So mm-hmm. just some interesting observations I had. Yeah, fascinating. That is really good. It's um, it's an interesting thing about the sort of you know, so the ebb and flow of players between the systems, for example. And I say I think. There is something peculiar about 30K insofar as that community aspect. It does feel like you belong to something or it's, a, you know, it is a niche within a niche fundamentally. But It's um, more than it's a tournament, a, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the key. And I think that's one of the things that we've been key to do or keen to do when we first started running events was that they weren't tournaments. And when I first started running events in the Northeast, it was when sort of seventh edition tournaments were still kicking around. Um, and I was very clear that I wasn't going to run a tournament. This wasn't a victory point score thing. This was about a team thing. Um, and it kind of, that really helped, I think, because it isn't about destroying your your opponent, you know, like you were doing a competitive tournament in um, sort of the GTAs or something. Remember that sentence, Rob, just just for when you come to playing. <laughs> just remember that that's, that's the mindset. That we're, that we're hoping for in our players and as as staff that would be expected of you uh, just just to point that out just going so forward know. yeah so, so I'll, I'll have to listen back because I, I, I zoned out for a second zoned out for a second there with the uh, with that but was this, this graham talking about not being competitive as competitive as possible uh, at, yeah. at, at col yeah yeah absolutely yeah, mr absolutely. i'm not mr. as competitive as possible uh, i've got this i've got the numbers to prove you wrong but anyway carry on graham <laughs> 
<laughs> but I think it's that is a, that is really. I think that's one of the things that we kind of. It's almost like an onboarding for people into the community. You know, we do a lot of. I, I don't know about you guys. Do you get where we get new players coming along? Because like people, you know, we've got a couple of pages for the northeast of England, for example, and you know, people will say, oh, "I'm I'm moving to the area, or I'm interested in starting playing 30k," and we sort of do demo games and things. But I think that some of the things that happen there are really important because it does kind of gets your gateway into the hobby you know by saying actually this isn't about destroying your opponent this is about telling a little story between the two of you and i think that is very different to 40k where it's boom you know this is how you win i think um oh one of our guys robbie uh put it really succinctly about a year ago at the last nova open was that 40k is like going to a, a a car race but going to a 30k event is like going to a car show oh yeah that's great yeah. <laughs> everyone's just chilled out showing off their cool armies and having some beers and just rolling dice having a good time yeah That's it's it. certainly something that i try to convey to people especially if eos are asking me for help in running events and that sort of stuff i think the first most important thing when you're running an event or setting up meets or anything like that is to set the player expectation mm. and to make sure that you're conveying if if this is the way that you want to play your events in that this is a non-competitive non-podium finished event um saying narrative ha- has basically lost its meaning um there are there are narrative tournaments you you kind of put a a, a name of a planet and it turns into a narrative event but emphasizing that it's a non-podium or non-competitive event straight away lets the the potential players know what is going on. So if they're there just to rank up kills and that sort of stuff, Mm. then it's like, okay, well, I'm not terribly interested in that. Um, Or if they're there for for the opposite, then it's like, okay, fantastic, This this is what I'm after. But if you're running an event and you're not giving... Uh, you're not letting the players know what the expectations of the event are, then you're kind of you you're setting yourself up for it, not for failure, but for instances of where you're going to have those people come up with the curb stomping lists and go, well, sorry, I, nobody yeah. really said that this was that. It's like, <laughs> but both sides of the fence are fine. I, I don't mind either. I, I suck at tournaments and curb stomping, but some people enjoy it, uh, and that's fine. But just make sure that the player expectation is clear and that you you are running an event for what you want it to be and you let everyone know what it is. Then everyone's on the same page. Yeah, that is – I mean, we've – there's a couple of things. I mean, we we sort of do a PowerPoint at the beginning of the event, though. I've, I've started to get a bit, bit bit like being at work with that, so I'm going to cut back on that. But just the first thing we say is this is not a tournament, you know. This yeah. is not a tournament. This isn't. A, there's no prizes for the person who's got the most victory points, for example. Um, the, and the other thing is that, you know, we have this, we almost have this sort of self-regulatory thing, but where we, we kind of, before people, they send their lists in, but, you know, we will kind of almost name and shame, you know, you get on this, this, uh, not this kind of... about it, you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, the intention of it has never been to, the intention right. of it was, was, never was, and I, I will always reiterate this anytime that we mention what the players describe as the naughty list. Yeah. The intention of it was never to name and shame people. It was never to say this person is a bad person. No. It was just to say this person has a really tough list, and if you kill it, you're you're going to get rewarded for it. And yeah. that was that that was purely it. Yeah. 
but it's like but you tell that to the players and they're instantly uh any, anybody who falls out with you for that who's obviously never listened to the show never listened to a company of legends special and obviously needs to have some kind of sense of humor yeah. injection no I, nobody's ever really fallen out with this the problem is it's become almost like a badge of honor which was the it is a badge of, of honor what, of what we didn't want so people are <laughs> like oh, proudly. i'm on the naughty list i'm like oh man that is so not what we wanted um yeah. but yeah you'd have bloody put me on the naughty list if i just brought one you're, Militia you're infantry you're on there for life, my friend. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all right. That's why we're getting. That's why we're scrapping it. That's where it's yeah. going. Um, but yeah, I think or you could turn into a T-shirt. I think it was two years ago at Adepticon. It was became a meme instantly. But someone at a heresy list brought a uh, a warhound, warhound standing on top shield. of a on sky uh, shield with two void shield generators surrounding it. <laughs> oh, so don't forget, there were also rapier quad guns and Araman. Ah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, but at uh, yeah, at Nova, the details. Yeah, but at Nova, we now uh, the Grain Legion guys who run basically most of the uh, events at Adepticon at Nova, uh, they now have an event called the Excruciatus, where it is an evening during the long weekend of Nova where you bring your nastiest list, and everyone <laughs> just just tears apart each other with just yeah. the rudest stuff you can bring. There was there was an event in the UK called whack and cheese because uh, <laughs> win at all costs is a popular acronym but i was like at least they're being upfront about it right it's like oh, bring yeah. the worst listener because if you like you say that thing yeah if, you if you're being upfront about it absolutely there's nothing yeah. wrong with that it's it's when you go to a narrative event thinking i've got a very nicely themed army and somebody rocks up with you know twin turbo laser cannon um <laughs> warhound sitting on an uh, you know uh Scarship landing, landing pad. Yeah, it has two void shields for last become a trope instantly, hasn't it? Yeah. It certainly has. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's uh, but I mean like I think someone whole... made an art for a t shirt like in yeah. two days after that happened. <laughs> yeah. In my in my I must as a confession because I'm sure Chris <laughs> You own that one anyway. I did when I was a competitive forty K player before I had kind of had this Road to Damascus moment, an epiphany, if you will, because um, I was playing a lot. Of... Hang on, you got stomped. Let's not. No, no, no. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not build it into saying that it wasn't. You went to a tournament. For me, it was a really. You got curb stomped. To you, and, it was. Uh... <laughs> I'm shit at this, so I'm going to play narratively from now on. Because take, take my toys and pack up shop. Yeah, that's what it was. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It was. It was the fact that. Actually, I went to a couple of tournaments and played quite competitively. And it was like, after a while, I'm like, why do I play this game again? You know, it's just it's just no fun. And and um, and I think coming back from that, sort of driving back, and I was like, I'm I'm not sure I want to play this anymore. And I knew that there were guys in the local club who played heresy. And the thing is, right, the 40k players never, you know, it was it was just there was never a, a nice word between them, right? The 30k players were laughing and joking and carrying on and it looked like fun you know and it was it had an, a different kind of an atmosphere and i think that that was for me was the a very important moment in my gaming because it was just like i don't play this to just defeat people now i'm going to play it because it's a two-player game mm-hmm. anyway we've gone way off to tangent tangent <laughs> tangent as we always do That's apologies it, but some really good insights there folks thanks ever so much um Right, okay, so going sort of going on from that, how much of an impact do you think it has on the community that we can't have the big events like LVO, Nova, Adepticon, Blood and Glory in the UK, 
I, I don't know what the Australian version would be, unfortunately, Andrew, I'm sorry. But do you think that there is a marked impact on the community because those things can't happen? Anyone can go. Um, I'll jump in because mine's probably the quickest. Um, we, we don't really have the, the equivalents of uh, Adepticons and Blood and Glories and Nova Opens and that sort of stuff. Um, our closest gaming convention, uh, which just even isn't even close, would be CanCon um, and a few of the, the bigger Western ones and that sort of stuff. But they are by large and away tournaments um so which is one of the reasons why i had set up active heresy i actually ran my narrative 30k event in direct composite competition to cancon which in the same city over the same weekend because it just didn't cater and suit uh narrative gaming the loss of those sort of events um like i I know a few people were uh, there's, a, there's always an element of the community keen to go to Adepticon and that sort of stuff. Like Adepticon was going to be my first business venture um, overseas to a gaming convention with my my kind of hobby business tagged events. And I know the cancellation was pretty crippling financially for us. Um, so I know there was a few other uh, industry um, uh, like modeling companies and that sort of stuff that also took massive blows. Yeah. Uh, the community certainly rallied behind us in those instances um, as for gamers and that sort of stuff, there was also a lot of gamers who were keen to go over. But moving forward, I, I don't think in Australia it's going to have a huge impact um, if those events continue in the same vein or change or don't run at all type thing. Um, we've always been a very smaller event club-focused community, I, I think. Gotcha. Um Bill, do you think that, that, that there is a, a wider effect sort of on um, on the way sort of people perceive their hobby if they can't sort of attend these things? Or I, I do think um, to kind of touch on what uh, Andrew was saying, like there are definitely some people who really do plan and uh, get geared up for these events. I know. Myself, like even some of the boys here locally, uh, LVO was kind of, and Adepticon were kind of like the go-to right now. I would be probably, you know, like balls deep, painting word bears, trying to get an army ready to go <laughs> for the event, right? Um, and, and I know everyone else would be too. Like it, everyone, everyone likes to get geared up for that, at least the group of us that do go. Um, but as far as affecting the hobby, or sorry, the hobby, um, really negatively i don't think it'll hurt it too bad i just think it'll be a lot of opportunity for people to play games locally like once restrictions move off and stuff i I think you're going to see a huge resurgence of just rolling dice just playing games getting the boys together you know having some uh garage hammer kick off and some beers and just really really explore that social aspect of gaming yeah I think it's one of the things that all the things that I've missed in the because I mean I've been working from home and I've been working from home before anyway so it wasn't like a huge deal for me really the lockdown I know it's affected other people a great deal more you know but for me it was just like hey I don't have to travel to work every day so that's awesome 
um, but still doing the job that I was doing. But the thing that I've missed the most, and it's one of those things that you don't miss it till it's not there, is the ability to, on a Tuesday night, go and have a game of heresy at the local club. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's and it's it's really put that into perspective for me how important that is. Um, and like f- local gaming stores as well. And you're thinking, you know, these guys are making their livings from people coming to their stores over night and playing games and buying stuff. And without that traffic coming through the door, it's tough, you know, and I've seen a lot of them struggle. And But the community's really rallied. I mean, there was, you know, we were pushing all the things that we were going to buy through them rather than getting from GW, for example, just so that they would be there when, when this is over, you know, because these places are so important to us as a community. Uh, to keep them going was really important but yeah that's the thing that's that's really hit me the most i think the only thing i was thinking about the negative aspects chris potentially is but i don't know whether this is likely or true even is whether you know this is kind of a year year of lost gaming right and i wonder whether that means that there might be a, a, a few people who miss who miss out on transitioning into the hobby if you see what i mean so yeah. there's a certain age where you probably start picking this game up maybe not heresy but certainly 40k um and then there's a certain age when you stop playing i think for a bit and then you usually come back to it later on in life when you think actually i don't really care what people think about this it's a hobby i flipping love doing that and i'm going to go back to it um i don't know if anybody else has found that by the way you know there's like this sort of gap gap year or oh, yeah. you know, beer beer and girls break in it mid mid teen like anger yeah, something um, more, there's something more yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. Like I, say, I think that's um whether that or beer happened. and boys or exactly yeah beer and beer and of opposites um, and whatever floats your boat <laughs> yeah totally um but i think that's uh you know i don't think that's a year's probably not gonna have too big an impact on that i don't think i don't know what you guys think i don't think so i, I think for the big events um my, my take on that question was yeah there's the big events that everybody knows about everybody hears about but think of the percentage of attendees or think of the number of attendees as a percentage of the global community yeah. and 600 people i don't know how big something like nova is or adepticon or something like that but i'm gonna roughly think maybe a thousand thousand maybe 1500 people something like that something like that what is that in a i'm sorry (laughs) uh, nova had like five thousand people last year am i wrong on that all right okay that's bigger than i thought (laughs) yeah am i going completely off the wall i felt it was stupid big this year but I'm sorry, I've totally derailed you. Continue. I'm just like adding five. God, God, I've 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 smelt the Birmingham NEC when there's been <laughs> a thousand people in it. God knows what five thousand would be like. Um, the air conditioning, I expect. Um, so, was it the Nova Open? I'm going to have to. This is going to have to go on my bucket list now. Um, five thousand nerds. Absolutely, in one yeah. that's God. why in the little event packs they give you spray deodorant. It's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's no there's no guarantee that anybody uses it. It was um, three it was three thousand in twenty nineteen. Three thousand people showed up. Wow. And uh yeah, we're just a little ride away from the international airport just down the street too. So flying yeah. down to DC and Add off on the, the train and you're here. That's insane. <laughs> Justin. Anyway, I think that's one and, of our... and this is why I asked the question. You see, there was there was a reason behind it because a lot of people attend these events, and a lot I of was thinking it. People... I was thinking a big event would be like like four times the size oh, of anything yeah, I've yeah. seen in the UK, yeah. which is like a hundred and twenty odd. We are we are but a speck of dust on the uh, yeah. uh, on the beach. Um, yeah, but, yeah, but we can drive to Warhammer Worlds up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have that. Take, take, that. take the wins where you can. Yeah, because um, exactly. because yeah. a lot of people work, you know, work with the projects in mind for an event, um, you know, and that is then 
you know, that will be their year um, working on that event, working on whatever the project is, whether it's to display something, it to be, you know, do a new army for that event. Uh, and whether or not, because those events aren't there, whether they would think, well, it, my hobby it isn't there now, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, we had a similar thing in, in Australia with that. Uh, certainly nowhere near that, that size, obviously. Um, and one of the reasons which prompted me to finish Active Heresy um, after the fifth year was that I was starting to get a lot of feedback or I was reading a lot of comments that people were basically they were building their armies for the next act type thing and they they would not play an event or not play a scenario or not field a particular army type because it didn't coincide with what their army was going to be like for Act of Heresy the next year, which to me was starting to become counter to what I wanted the events to be like. And I'm hopeful that... Uh, it's terrible that the, the events didn't go, like the, the, the conventions didn't go on, but I'm hopeful that it might help people realise that for narrative gaming especially, the number of players is largely irrelevant. Often the more players that you get, the less controlled your narrative event will become. It's harder to actually maintain the narrative and the atmosphere if you've got 100-plus people. Um, and this is coming from someone with experience. Um, the, the best narrative events that I've been to have been 10 or 12 people uh, just over a weekend. And I think when people focus too heavily on going to that one big event and spend nine, 10 months in the lead up to it, just focusing on that event, they actually do themselves a detriment in missing out on smaller club and store games and campaigns that could actually be giving them a really, really fulfilling narrative experience for that the thirty k gaming. Um, it's where you can where you can play consecutive games and build up a story with your opponents and build up grudges and vendettas and have uh, a sergeant evolve into a centurion and become a, a herald and then become a praetor and that sort of stuff. Whereas at these big events, you're playing half a dozen games but you're probably never going to play the same person twice. And uh, yeah. it's more about the social aspect kind of, I understand people's desire for that, those big conventions, but yeah, I, I, I think it's at a, at a loss to some, sometimes the smaller narrative atmospheres. Yeah. I think we tend to, we luckily can kind of balance the two. So we have the bigger events. I mean, when I say bigger events, I mean, they're, Blood and Glory is 100 or people, I think, for the, just playing Heresy, that is. Um, and we've been to some of the Warhammer World ones, which are, there's no, there's absolutely zero narrative there. You know, there's just nothing mm -hmm. in terms of a story. It's, um, you know, um, Throne of Skulls, when Chris and I went to, um, no story. You know, it's just about winning really it did it, it, i mean that was a that was a tournament in in yeah. you know there was it, no in, yeah, but it, it didn't first, it didn't try to be anything else so that was no. yeah. but i think you i think it's like you know those the big events give you that ability to mingle with other folks in the community but the the real like you say some of those great narrative moments do tend to come on the slightly smaller ones and like the local things but yeah it's um because, you know, like I say, I mean, we're, I'm lucky in the northeast because there's tons and tons of clubs for some bizarre reason. And, you know, there's lots of sh sh 
um, stores and things that have the ability to go to and play games there. But it's not always the case. And, you know, Chris's nearest one's quite away from you, isn't it, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I mean, sort of just on that. So, so Bill, with uh, do you get people uh, sort of trying to get uh, information beforehand? about what sort of missions so they can sort of min-max their lists kind of thing. Do you, do you um, get that at all? Or? One of the one of the things I like to try to do, um, especially with the LVO and trying to slowly make the nudge towards more uh, narrative event-style games, is I, I do release the missions before the event, usually about a month out. And that's just so no one's really caught off guard. Like, I know... Um, a lot of the missions we added this uh, basically like a, a secondary special rule, which is called tactical doctrine. And if you took three comp troops for your army, you ended up getting another VP to encourage players to take more Marines and have more, you know, um, have more of these like larger infantry based armies. Cause a lot of the times you will see a lot of uh, vehicle heavy lists and it was just a way to start Marvelous. slowly you know, slowly nudging it and like, it won't happen overnight. You can't just, yeah. you know, flip it on its head, but over, you know, the next couple of years, I, I would love to take baby steps to really, you know, let people kind of let their guard down sort of safe. Right. And start embracing more of the narrative style of play. Um, Cause I'm, I'm a firm believer that uh, you can still have, these are dirty words, right. But you can still have narrative and competitive play together. Like, when you're rolling dice and you're having fun, I, I think, you know, you're still trying to roll dice to match and, you know, beat your opponent's dice. And you're telling a story while you're doing that. I think there's a fine line where you can actually dance between both. Um, yeah. Personally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I think there is. I think it is possible to kind of, you know, if you're winning a game and the chances are you're probably going to win the game and you probably look at it and think, um, I've, unfortunately, you know, my list is that sort of rock paper, rock paper scissors? You know, is the is the rock to somebody's scissors, if you like. So, but you know, you can still kind of win the game. But you know, giving like making pushing your army forward so that you get into close combat and have an epic Primark off or something like that. You know, those yeah. are the things that you know people do, and I've seen do all over the games that I've played. You know, and um, because it's, I think this you wouldn't necessarily see that in a lot of other games, but. Yeah, it's a it's a really good point about um, that balance, and I think that's part of that onboarding. You know, if you like that in- entrance into the hobby bit, because I think people realise how to play the game from that. It's like actually, not necessarily. I mean, yeah, by all means, be competitive, and you know, I put strong lists together. Chris does, Rob certainly does, and um, <laughs> and you know, and it, but it's it's finding that 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 fun. I think in there is, is definitely key. But yeah, yeah. good good observation. Because obviously, um, like Jesse, you said you guys are going to go to Adepticon this year. So, had you um, sort of planned anything sort of special on that, you know, or was it just going to be sort of take your take the Dark Angels um, and then sort of rock and roll with those, or had you sort of other things in mind, sort of going forwards into it? Um, so, when the Grey and Legion puts out, you know, their overall event for like Adepticon or Nova, they don't go into the details of the actual missions until the day of, mm. which, um, so I feel it leads a lot of people to either one way, either make an all comers list and not specialize yeah. in much, or just go whole ham because you'd have no idea what's going to happen anyway. So you might as well just build whatever you want. 
which I think is a kind of a fun balance. Um, but yeah, for me, it's, I've, I've, like I said, I played Dark Angels for a couple of years now, so I've amassed I've amassed a bit of an embarrassingly large amount of models. <laughs> so I just kind of pick and choose what I want to take this year, and yeah. I might repaint something because oh man, I painted that three years ago, it looks horrible. Let me, <laughs> let me put some black paint over it again and try again. Yeah, and, uh, I'm always doing that. It's something that I'm thinking. Yeah. God, that and, uh, for us, <laughs> need to repaint. One more layer of Agrax Earthshade and that'll fix it. Right. <laughs> and then Agrax. It's time for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Austin and Steven, uh, we were, and myself, we were all geared up to run um, small narrative events at our local store throughout the year of 2020. Every quarter we were going to have, like, the start was a thousand point uh, blind date doubles event, nice. which had a narrative event. We had a story. Uh, poor Austin has a stack of. Uh, printed out event booklets all ready to go that were ready for March <laughs> and it never happened. So luckily we'll be able to gave him time to build more uh, NPC armies and stuff. And uh, so hopefully geared up when all this goes away eventually. Got you. So and the plan is still there. We just kind of shifted dates. Yeah. Just to, before we go, um, doing a hundred player narrative, uh, Andrew, I mean, we have 36 players, and, and it's, a, it's a struggle at that level, so massive respect there. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's another reason why the event series stopped. Uh, it's, <laughs> it takes a huge amount out of you mentally, mm-hmm. physically, financially. Um, I, I used to run the series in January, and quite literally – Intensive planning would start in March for the next one. So the, I'll send you the, the photo ones. that I took of that my girlfriend took of me t- the day, no, two days after Company of Legends last year. I look about eighty-two in the photo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and in all seriousness, it's I actually had a, a a mental break after the third one. I had to kind of get help um, because sure. trying to manage. Uh, expectations and mm. kind of concerning yourself with making sure everyone was having fun and making sure all of the plot lines interacted and that everybody's actions triggered the correct plot. It, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> it also didn't help that I had a newborn baby um, that was kind of six weeks old, and yeah, <laughs> it was a it was a pretty uh, dramatic time. <laughs> yeah, we know exactly how you feel. So a lot to a lot to juggle there. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. one day when I retire from the podcasting, we'll release the unedited tapes of, <laughs> of a of a. So we kind of solicited feedback after every event, and of course, the thing with feedback is you again you concentrate on the bad, right? And there was this, we were we were recording the episode, and uh, it was like the guys and Michael and Chris said to me, "Look, we can't. You have to stop, Graham." You know, this isn't this isn't healthy for you to to look at this feedback and take it in the way that I was taking it. You know, because I'd kind of become emotional about it, mm, and it was like actually right. it wasn't actually there was stuff in there that was important to learn, and we took those lessons in the end and we put them into the next year. But it it, it is because you you put so much of yourself into it, right? And it, like you say, it's a lot of your time and a lot of your effort, and like you say, you start planning it. You know, you have like four weeks after the last event, and then you're off to, off to the next one. Sure. Um, and it's uh, it is a drain, you know. And I think, I mean, we're lucky, right? Because there's actually, you know, three or four of us doing this event. Uh, Chris and I um, do the missions and the and the story, and Michael does all the kind of logistics stuff. And you know, we we, we sort of catch catch up with each other and stuff. So it does help, but even that is a, is hard graft. 
I think the key uh, and something that I always tell other EOs and that sort of stuff to, to try and remember is always run your event in the way that you would like to attend the event. Yeah. Now, if, if that only attracts half a dozen people, then you've attracted half a dozen like-minded players who want to play the event and the game in the style that you enjoy it. And yeah. you will enjoy the game more with those half a dozen people. You'll enjoy it more than if you're trying to run an event catering for the masses where you're running it in a, in a style that you're not comfortable with and you're reliant upon those people for the feedback and for how to change it because you're no longer running the event in the style that you want it to be. So you have to talk to like, you have to get those opinions and that sort of stuff. Uh, it, it can sound callous, but I, I think in an event style where you're not aiming for maximum numbers of people, you, you're not doing an ITC where if you mm. get 200 people, then you, you're getting bonus points and rankings and that sort of stuff. If you're running an event that you want to be the most enjoyable narrative experience, run the event the way that you want to attend one and kind of just leave it at that and your mental calmness will be so much better. <laughs> I think there's some really useful lessons. To, maybe another episode might be about, you know, beginner's guide to event organising because there's probably things that I wish I knew when we started that I know sure. now. But... Can, we, can we get Michael to, like, snip those 20 seconds out? And, Graham, can you have that as your text alert tone? I think you're going to have to have that. I'll, <laughs> set something, I'll, yeah. I'll work out some internet <laughs> jiggery-pokery to text you every 10 minutes for the rest of your life. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, time is a ticking, right? It's, I know we've we realised we've overstepped, our, overstayed our welcome. And we're already over an hour, so um, are you guys okay to carry on? Yeah, I can. Can I'm all good. It's still mid morning yeah. here. Okay, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. <clears throat> okay, so, so you know, we're all event runners. Uh, we're all involved in in driving the community. Um, you know, even if it's just us talking nonsense for seven hours to some rep poor people that decide to listen to us um heresy is, is has got that driven support base that we spoke about earlier um with all the different game styles all the different sort of twists all the uh different uh forces that are being added constantly by players that on top of forge world um do you do, do you think heresy can continue garnering that that support going forward and i'm not trying to propagate this heresy is dead heresy is alive nonsense um because i don't i don't believe it's dead but and i don't believe it ever will be but we, what we find now is a, a more fractious fan base that you know and an often thing that we see is that people coming in go um people coming into the hobby go actually i don't want to get involved because it looks like it's a bunch of arseholes generally <laughs> um i mean do you think unfair assumption unfair uh, uh, no absolutely yeah. pretty someone drying their hair in the background there or is this, <laughs> as uh, as michael joined in the call <laughs> the polish removal men in again um so do, yeah so do you guys think that we can sort of our, our game will continue to Oh, I see. Grow so, just, you know. Yeah. So, without with the current level, assuming the level of support from Forge World remains the same. Yeah, which is will 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 the hobby yeah. still continue to grow or or not? Yeah. Or do you think it will slide off? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Who wants to chuck, um, go in for I, that one? 
I think all of us have kind of mentioned at one point or another that uh, the heresy community is largely player-driven. Um, I think there will always be a 30K community uh, and it will always be player-driven uh, and largely remain so. There's hardly, if any, official support from from GW, and that's not necessarily a negative thing. It's just that's the way uh, often narrative gaming is. It's harder for them to run narrative gaming. Where I think there's a bit of a an illusion of non-support is when there isn't a fortnightly release of a new model and a bi-monthly release of a book. Uh, yeah. I don't personally think that that, that, that is actually needed. Um, I, I think that the, the current lists are quite bloated um, and without the need for an official support as in events, th- there's no reason why the community cannot continue going. So if, if everything stopped tomorrow, if they didn't release another book or another model tomorrow, there's no point, uh, sorry, there's, there's no reason why the the level of activity that we've been having up until this point can't continue. Yeah. All of the activity that we've had has been going on without official support and with the official releases that we've already got. Um, if we want more, there's uh, the groups like Mournival and King Fluff and other podcasts and uh, my work with Oz30K, it provides alternative looks into the, the, the genre and that sort of stuff. But I think there's this kind of fascination and obsession with we need a new model every week to show that this can keep on going, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember having a discussion with someone um, in the early part of the year, just uh, actually I think it was about the second month into the UK lockdown, and they were going, oh, you know, four-year-old model releases have been really slow. And the thing is, I could prove, and I knew, because we go through them every month, how many releases there had been you know over the last year and it was you know two or three different kits every month quite comfortably for for about 18 months and you get and and, and the reply is always but 40k gets this it's it's not it's a different game right you know you just people need to sort of just separate their minds from the from the plastic primaris nonsense that sort of is on the other side of the room but I think, I mean, Andrew's points, I mean, I'm still, I've thought that as well, Andrew, that, you know, if they stop doing something, right, that's it, heresy is actually dead. Boom, it's finished. Nothing, I don't think, I don't think anything would change fundamentally. I think that the people that still want to be in this community have invested so much time and effort into making it. It's good. I mean, Battlefleet Gothic or whatever, it, that still carries on today, right? And that hasn't been supported for years and years and years. And in fact, it's had a massive resurgence. Um, yeah. So I don't think it would be any different. To be I think that this is a game that's, you know, has shown that it's got it's got legs, it's got the time, and it's got the ability for it to be uh, changed and altered by the people in the community who can best serve it because they're people that are playing it all the time. So yeah, really good point again. Middle Earth proved you don't need anything from GW for a decade. Yeah. So yeah, I think <laughs> they literally didn't get anything for best part of a decade. But yeah, like you say, Chris, it's whether people are kind of comparing apples to jumbo jets sort of thing you know and sort of going okay why aren't we getting all this stuff because you know all my friends that are playing 40k are getting new books every three weeks and new figures every other day and yeah, it's not that 
it's also the main reason you see you see football on television and not tiddlywinks because there's a hell of a lot more money involved in it <laughs> at the end of the day. That's true enough. True enough. Cool. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, so what would you like to see? As a, you know, we're, we're approaching the end of the year. Um, you know, we're, we're at the end of a, sort of a, a book cycle, as it were, with the end of book nine and all those models sort of uh, from that sort of coming. What are you? What would you like to see so, going yeah, forward? Yeah. If, if Santa, if Santa was going to bring something for the heresy <laughs> for yeah. you this year, what would be in his sack? <laughs> Who wants anyone want anyone got an idea? I, I know what mine is, and mine would be uh, the, uh, the the custodies getting the going back to getting getting going back to sex responders. No, 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 not that. <laughs> I I, I want to see us get um, the, the swords. I can't remember what they are at this time of day. Misericordia. Uh, no, no, no. Um, in Master of Mankind, one of the Cathodes has particular blades, and I've forgotten what they're called. Um, but I'd like to see them get sort of a, a slightly altered war gear section, if that makes sense. Not a rules rewrite, because that's not going to happen. I don't want to have to buy another book. But... <laughs> we want you to have to, because it's I hilarious. I'm going to go mental on the internet again. Yeah, basically. Comedy value. But, yeah, but, but, but not a few things from Games Workshop, but just what would you like to see going forwards from Heresy? Sort of on a on a wider scale oh that's a, tr- that's a tricky question i'd like I'm, to see less... oh oh sorry no let sorry, one of the go. guests go forward i'm i'm gonna be contentious here and, <laughs> and i'm gonna say what i want to see is forge world to stop producing the black books dun, dun, dun. <laughs> from, from this point I, I reckon finish the okay. black books refocus their effort on fucking re-release the red books and then once everything's brought back up to speed start releasing smaller focused campaign supplements like they do for titanicus stop putting so much energy into the black books that they're out of date within six months their quality is dropping their content is dropping fix up the fix up the the format and then move on to a kind of a, a an easier release schedule that can be a little bit more focused and contained. That's a good answer. A there's, some lo- answer. there's some logic in there, but it's going to upset a hell of a lot of people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, trust me, like, I'm one of the most passionate heresy, heresy players out there. I've been in there since day one. I've been running heresy events since book one dropped. Um, I live heresy, but I sold all my black books six to, six to nine months ago because I, I didn't read the last three or four. I just... They were falling out of date so quickly. Their content was – the fluff was fantastic, but it seemed that everything that Forge World did was just about the black books, yeah. and it was starting to, in my mind, be a detriment to the, the setting. It, it was – everything was about the black books. Now we've got all the legions, fantastic. Uh, we can do a Dark Heresy red book or a, not a red book, a, like a – a campaign setting for the Dark Heresy. We can do a, a Battle of uh, a Terror um, uh, book, but they yeah. don't have to be massive black books, which take 18 months to do, have a limited release, sell out in 12 hours, upset the community, and are yeah. badly edited. 
Wow. That is, I mean, there's a lot of logic there to what you say, to be fair. I mean, people do love them. I mean, there's an emotional attachment to them. I have one, but as we've already discussed, actually, there's only about seven pages that I've ever read. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because the rest of it's whatever. Um, uh, But it's, I I can, I think if, you know, that, actually, I'm, next person because obviously that what i'm about to say would probably segue into what i would like to see so can i respond to the member of the house for the southern hemisphere you you may um (laughs) mr speaker uh how about if they carried on what you said because the 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 titanicus format works the necromunda format works the sale speaks for themselves the communities like the way that that information has been brought out and somewhat and more drip fed rather than a gunge tank on you every two years um what about if there was still the fluff side of things in the softback format so if you carried on with the ak narrative so to speak but but moved all the all the sort of gaming aids into a quarterly release schedule or by or or biannually release schedule like every six months in the titanicus slash necromunda genre of releases i suppose it would yeah i mean i suppose if would people buy that i guess Maybe. If you look at the Titanicus books themselves, they also have lots of mm. fun fluff in them. So I feel like you could have your cake That's and eat true. it too with that type of situation. Yeah, I I'm, agree I'm, with I've a, never I've never played a game of Titanicus, but I'm looking uh, at every source book yeah. they've released for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it well, popped the, up I'm, just a few weeks ago, and we're like, what, the oh, wait, there's another one. Them. Yeah, they're very <laughs> much a a kind of a wound back Imperial armor style. So they would focus on a single campaign and give like a, a nice summary of the campaign, give a nice fluff. There's certainly not 200 pages of fluff, but neither was book nine. Um, so it's kind of, it's wound back. It still has some nice campaign settings. It's got some some fluff and the narrative, but it also then does some additional rules. It doesn't have to have an entire kind of army. It could do, um, or it could have some alternate settings like Battlefleet Heresy, um, like uh, Aeronautica Imperialist set in Heresy, kind of like what the the bad ab wars did they they mm. supplemented the setting they gave some additional rules exactly yeah. like what kind of the more novel events book and king fluff books and that sort of stuff yeah. do they they can expand on it with some optional rules and and add to it add a specialist list like they did with death Corps of krieg um and with that that book would then be focused on that particular army list um it's kind of you, you could you could give a task to one or two people and go, okay, you go away and do a, a heresy death core equivalent. You go away and you do a, a battle of terror equivalent um, rather than doing this entire massive project yeah. and trying to coordinate it all. I mean, heck, I mean, let's just see it back in white dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steady. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, J- Jason, cause you, you know, the, the, the fluff in the black books is, is a big part of, of, of what you do with grad school. So I guess mm-hmm. if they got rid of that, I suppose that would be a, you know, a, a, and I like, I like the fluff. Um, would you be on board with that sort of idea of sort of getting rid of separating the two? If they separated it, I'd be a hundred percent behind it. 
if they turn the black books into something like a set of encyclopedia, which they basically already are with, you know, a quarter of them is a rule section tacked on. If that was the difference between the black book and the red book series, I think it'd make a lot more sense for everyone, especially new people coming in Mm. because gone would be these, half hour discussions of like well you need black book like one and five and then you're gonna want red book like the first red book and then the rules book and then the mechanicum red book it would be a very simple way to say like all right you want to read the story like here's the black book series it's like an encyclopedia with you know space dudes but if you want the rules to play the game here is the neatly organized red book series to do just that because the fluff wouldn't change, would it? It would basically, once it's written, well, they retcon. But you should, like you say, an encyclopedia, it would be a chronology of those things that would be mm-hmm. in that sort of format. And it's only the rules that fundamentally change as people play the game. So, yeah, it's a really good one. Cool. One would play devil's advocate and say that that's sort of the system that exists already. But I guess the thing is, though, is, it, you... is, that, is that the right system? Because what yeah, yeah. I'm saying is that there's this sort of nice fluff section. And this is rule section, but fundamentally the rule section is usually out of date six months with some kind of, you know, looking at the rules and actually starting playing it in volume, they find a load of problems with it and have to change them anyway. So maybe All right. if if it was completely out of date, then I could see what you're saying. But the problem is some of it's out of date for some armies, some it's not. Yes. Like uh, for the Mechanicum, there's no other place to go to get the uh, rules for um and uh, what's his name? Scoria. Other than book six, uh, same thing for the world eaters. The uh, Legion book was never updated to include Gollum Surlack. Yeah. And that weird what little character section is, <laughs> right? That weird little character section in book six is yeah. the only yeah. you know, place to go for some of those characters. Yeah. yeah. With, and yeah. with the, like the Knights Errant and the Black Shields, mm-hmm. you could put all the Legion rules now into just the rules themselves couldn't fill out a black book itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have had this discussion actually. We I, 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 I think because we were discussing this the other day, weren't we? Yeah. About um, certain characters and whether you would whether you do a loyalist book and a traitor book, and then in what sec in mm. what which book certain people would go. Hold uh, up. Sorry, can we have a really short, important discussion to me about this while we're on things to change? Yeah, <laughs> go on. This, this sounds ominous, but go for it. I am sick to death of the fact that almost every single traitor legion has a loyalist character option, but not a single loyalist legion has a traitor character option. You've got your Death Guard special characters. You've got Logan, you've got all of these characters. Keir Valen, Keir Valen, the best Iron Warriors character on the yeah. rules. Uh, look, if, you, if you want your baddies to be really baddies, play bolt action. No, but I, I see what you mean. I, do you know what? I've never ever considered that in the entire time I've been playing this game. But it's even very, the white like, scars. So hoping for it with the white scars, because what legion would be more perfect to have a loyalist legion? but a couple of traitor character options. I'm not going to answer that question, Jason. <laughs> That's a glass house you do not want to be told. That wasn't Jesse. a barbed comment at all. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like you've had this conversation before at Definitely, some point. I've got yeah. 
God, it's it's really frustrating because, like, I understand, like, loyalists are cool. I don't, like, my buddy Steven and I are members of the Traders for Life Club. That has nothing to do with it, but... <laughs> I suppose, because with loyalists, you there is that right of war where you can play them as traitors. And I don't hmm. think there's a reverse version of that. Not that I can think of right now. There is. There is. It's like, there, um, there is. Yeah, I it mean, is it. Mark- markedly better than the loyalist version. That's the fun part. What is it? Orphans of Betrayal and Outcast Sons? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, I I wonder whether it was because the narratives themselves favor the loyalists. So the the books that, you know, the Black Library put put out, very rarely I'm thinking, do you, I mean, the man who's read about four of them, by the way, that's about the maximum number. The impression I get is that they are very, focused on the the loyalist and the loyalist will ultimately win well spoiler alert we know that happens anyway but do you think maybe that's part of it as well that maybe this is not the they're not generating these cool characters or giving them the longevity so that they appear you know uh, in these things but i've never never twigged that there were no loyalists that characters that are only available in a traitor version or does it directly feed in from the narrative in that history is won by the history is written by <laughs> yeah, the people clearly. who want them to <laughs> clearly, yeah. you know, we gloss over the we gloss over the ultramarine that, you know, tried to shoot the lion in the side of the head. Or you know, whatever. Fascinating. Uh, no, but there was Lucretius Corvo. Uh he's my favorite ultramarine because he told the lion to sit and spin. That was pretty great. <laughs> Seems legit. Jesse's gone very quiet again. Uh, you can tell. I was on mute. I was on mute. <laughs> He's scratch, screaming at his microphone for that few seconds there. Yeah. So anyway, that is a really oh, so many. We have so many great conversations, right? Um, unfortunately, it's time is ticking away. So uh, I'll, I'll throw my hat into the ring for things I'd like to see next year. Um, I've already mentioned the FAQ, but I'm going to skirt over that. If they were going to do nothing else nothing else what i would like to see is a altar of war style book with more than six missions in and i think that would be i'd love to see that because i would like to be able to play a variety of different missions and different types i know that the books have them in but just a single compendium of really cool missions and they used to do it for 40k back in the day and that would be something that i would like to see that's my wish list if santa's going to put anything in his sack for me it would be more missions that's Bill, one of the big things, like with the wish list. Like, so currently, I kind of ride the fence. I'm, you know, a Horus Heresy player and enthusiast, but I also play Ninth Edition. And one thing that I would love to see the Heresy kind of emulate from Ninth is these chapter-approved type books where you get like a a reprint rules update that could encompass like the red books Um, because like if ninth is anything to show uh, it's never had as much support as it does now and they'll pay like players will pay. I would gladly myself pay for a, you know, FAQ once or twice a year that had all the collective, you know, work from the black books put into the new Legion book, right? Like, yeah, would it suck to have to buy one every two years? Sure. But at the same time, you're always getting like the latest, newest models and mm. even on that said, you could even do like an, an app if you really wanted to, right? Like it is 2020. There's a lot of possibilities <laughs> for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I suppose the thing is 40K 
has that mindset of new books regularly. Yeah. So I suppose 40k players are predispositioned to expecting to buy books regularly, whereas yeah. uh, uh, I, I think there will be a. Uh, I'm just going from sort of what I sort of would think the community point of view would be if if we were then having to buy them, you know, every two years. I imagine there would be that group of people that would be the ones screaming into their keyboards, going, you're ripping me off every two years, making me have to buy another book. If you got it right the first time, we wouldn't be why, able to why, why, even wait, why even wait two years? Just do what Age of Sigmar do and just have a general's handbook every year. General's yeah. handbook every year. Yeah. I, think that, I think you're right. I think that there's, a, there's almost like an expectation of that now. Maybe modern gaming has yeah. moved on. And like you say, about things like the Black Books, that old style, release the book you know, four years later, do something about it. Um, kind of methodology going to a more I think customers of this hobby expect more more frequently I think that would probably be something that you'd expect Games Workshop or Forge World to be looking at in terms of their marketing and think actually the modern consumer of this product doesn't doesn't want to wait around for a long time you know, they want to they want to have more regular updates and stuff but so yeah I think that's a good good one too um, mm-hmm. definitely just another way of looking at it right but like yeah even touching base to like that last question, even if all the support stopped, when you have groups like, you know, um, mm. Morneval events and King Fluff, and you know, you get models put out like even by tagged events. I have a you know unarmored Marines in that cool, uh, what is it called? It's the floating, floating like psionic creature. I can't remember what it's called anymore. The Psych Nguyen. Yeah, I, like having all these other third-party companies or groups, I should say, feeding into the hobby, it, I don't think it'll ever go away. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, of course, is 3D printing and, you know, people creating models that aren't created by Forge World, you know, to fill that gap, you know, yeah. things that are in the book that you don't have a model for. Somebody eventually will create a model for that. And that's a whole other can of worms that we probably should have not got time to open right now, but that may change as well. You know, people start doing these sort of custom missions or custom events where you you know bring, have custom figures as well the future is looking very interesting i've been to some uh, back in warhammer days eighth edition um maelstrom games used to do that they used to do uh, the mansfield mall every um every halloween and they had a um halloween themed special character that you had to convert and bring in to <laughs> you to your army so you could do an event like um you know things like that named characters you know they'd write stats for them and it'd be a case of right well everybody's got access to these so if you want to use them throughout the weekend convert and build and play and we'll have a mini beauty pageant and the best halloween character one year it was freddie and jason um you know the best freddie and the best jason and we'll uh, that person gets some kind of acknowledgement and somebody actually managed to convert a, uh, I think it was a, an orc um, Freddie Mercury. It was amazing. Oh, good. That's awesome. Good. Completely different Freddie. It was ace. But yeah, just doing doing things like that. You can uh, shake it up with like free 3D prints. If an event organizer knows somebody who's a bit handy with the uh, with the sculpting, you know, you can like you buy your ticket and, oh, by the way, here's a STL file. You can print off this character to use throughout yeah. the event. Mm. So yeah, anybody else got anything else they'd like that we haven't covered? That we haven't covered? No, not really. 
I mean, I mean, it's a conversation. It's a wish list conversation. Some, surely somebody's got to go. I want a starter box. Starter boxes would be good, though. But yeah, they would be. It would be good. But they're 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 possibly the biggest. They're the biggest undertaking for the company to do. I mean, that like putting a starter box together makes plastic mark two marines. Yeah, makes doing um, a black book look like you know putting out a comic. Even if they just all tactical marines and a. Classic dreadnought together again and call it a start collecting box. Wouldn't be that oh much. Yeah. I'd, I'd buy it if it was saving me any yeah. any sort of money. And, yeah. say, and also, it does give people a, an in, doesn't it? You know, like you say. That's, yeah, Betrayal at Calth was the only reason I got into this hobby. Mm. I was always put off by the just the cost, the sheer cost mm. of Forge World Resin. I was like, I don't think I'm going to do this. One, I don't paint very well. Two, that's really pricey. Three, yeah. I hate painting real pricey stuff and making it look bad. <laughs> I, th- I think now, I think now that we've got two flavors of Terminators, two flavors of ta- of you know power armored marines, we've got plastic dreadnought. I, I I just I know there's things that we need. Um, like you know assault marines would be nice. Um, you know plastic Mark II, plastic jet bikes. There's I think that where GW are going to look at it and go tooling all these new things is going to be incredibly expensive. But yeah, but just even just bundling the plastic marine. But bundle, yeah, dreadnought. bundling the plastic too. And that's the heresy starter set, you know. Two, a heresy starter set. 20, 20 tactical marines and a um, plastic um, contemptor. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think we. I I would be surprised if we saw another um, Calth or Prospero type box. Certainly, if if we did see it, we would see it with Age of Darkness version two. American yeah. dream. We're not, okay. would be pretty legit. We're not going to see it in the current iteration of the game as it is at the moment, I don't think. Mm. No matter how much people wish list, we won't see it before version 2. Controversy. Right, gentlemen, I will have to duck out shortly because it is half past 12 in the UK. Uh, so what are we going to finish on? Um, I mean, we'll I can on, just disappear and other people can No, no, we'll finish on a, on, a, on, a, on a sort of a positive note. Um <laughs> What are the things that you're most looking forward to in the hobby next year? What, are the, um, you know, rolling dice is going to be a big one for all of us. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and seeing what are the things that you're specifically sort of, I can't wait for X in in the forthcoming twelve months. Or if it's anything to do with your, you know, the podcast or the events you're running, right? Yeah, yeah. Please mention those. Anyone, anyone got anything they want to go with? I can jump in, I guess. Um, go for it. For 2021, I'm definitely excited in getting, like I mentioned earlier, those tables that I mm-hmm. have uh, procured you know, throughout the year, getting them all painted up, ready to go for some uh, narrative events and you know, just gaming in general throughout the year. Um, 2021 is definitely set to be uh, quite big as of actually jumping on and starting a new podcast with one of my friends and we're going to be exploring all different types of uh, games themselves um, basically it's been pretty hush hush for now uh, as we've kind of you know we really want to do it right and we've been taking our time and getting everything set i can i can drop the name it's going to be uh, trident war gaming cool. so uh if you like you know, Iron Warriors, there will be... Zircos Graham's going to approve of that. ...for you, so... <laughs> Very good. So, good yeah, stuff. I'm definitely looking forward to that. 
Yeah. Superb. What about you, Andrew? Anything for you this for next year? Um yeah, I'm so I'm working on a few projects that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, I'm always working on projects, uh, <laughs> but something that's got me kind of really keen to to get back into dice rolling and that sort of stuff. Um, I got a little bit demoralised with it. Is the the 30k crusade system that we're working on and kind of doing crusade campaign packs. So that an element of the 40k system, which I actually really really like, is the 40k crusade mechanics. Um, and I feel it fits really well with 30k smaller mm. points. Um, and so we're, there's a few of us that are working on uh, kind of a like a slow grow using it um, to build up um, uh, and allow new, newer players to join in and um, kind of build their um, armies in that way, but also using a familiar mechanic that I'll be used to from 40k. Um, and then the aim, if it proves popular, is I want to try and write um, like a crusade campaign pack once every four to six months in a similar way that GW is doing the 40K ones, like the Beyond the Veil and that sort of stuff. So have a, a campaign setting, have some unique agendas, uh, artifacts that they can find and that sort of stuff, and have it basically as a, as a global campaign that people who may not be able to attend events yet if events aren't running in their areas for for example those who really only just visited adepticon for their their gaming fulfillment but if they've got some regular opponents they can still take part in in this global campaign and kind of at least still feel connected to the community and playing in this cohesive the same setting the the one narrative and kind of every four to six months kind of it the story moves on and it progresses and moves on to the the next campaign setting um and and go from there it's it's always been something that i've i've been passionate about the like the the big global ones and that sort of stuff yeah. we did it with apocalypse um and I'm, I'm hoping that now with with COVID and the isolation and with people so used to kind of communicating virtually that this sort of concept might might be a little bit more appealing to people um, but we'll see we'll see right, that sounds epic that sounds really yeah, cool and you've got to, you've got to keep us up to date on that and that, i've not heard anybody say anything negative about the crusade system in ninth yeah it's i i think it's phenomenal i i, I really like it the the there's a few small niggly things like how you can just pick your results. So it fits better with 30K that it's random, um, kind of you, you roll the results a little bit. Otherwise, people can be tempted to do a little bit of cherry picking and that sort of yeah, stuff. But sure. if people don't like that aspect of it, then, yeah, just pick it. If, you, if your own player group likes it, then, then go ahead type thing. But I just think it's it's an ideal campaign system that allows people to jump in as hard and as much as they want. If you don't like administrative thing, or if you don't like a character progression, just play in the setting, play in the narrative, mm. roll dice, have a pint. If you really like tracking everything, this allows you to go all the way down to that untenth degree. But more than anything, it allows those two player types to interact in the same setting in the same games and allows them to play seamlessly whereas previous kind of campaign packages and attempts to do character progressions it was it was an all or nothing you, yeah both of you had to be doing it or neither of you and yeah 
it this one just feels really really good i'm, I'm really happy and excited about this one so. uh, that sounds flipping awesome what about you guys over at um uh, romance's retreat anything sort of planned for next year uh, well still depends on you know how far yeah. we are along all this uh, this event but um, looking to maybe maybe potentially doing more video stuff i'm still learning all sorts of different types of uh av things and podcasting was a lot of fun yeah and learned learned a lot i also want to branch out and try to start a audio or video recording and things like that and maybe battle reports we'll, we'll see how it goes it's a lot of work yeah for sure <laughs> and a lot yep. goes into it mm. but um as far as that on it well we're still chugging along as far as uh as far as the heresy goes there's still there's always something to talk about so I don't think we'll have a problem there. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's that doesn't surprise me that every month, uh, you know, we always find something to talk about, and and every podcast finds something different to talk about every month, and it it, it always sort of constantly surprises me that that we manage that somehow, because um, we're all talking about the same thing fundamentally, but somehow uh, we can all find a different thing in it to sort of chat about for you know hours at a time well, it's, oh, that yeah. stere- it's that stereotype isn't it like you know to, to play heresy you'll need a rule book you'll need an army and you'll need a podcast because everybody yeah. who plays heresy <laughs> seems to have a podcast <laughs> i know what a great community there this, a few have gone by the, the wayside this year but um, hopefully yeah, a few people will come back um what about yourself jason oh shit um, <laughs> you forget about me. No, like, no everybody no, no. else has these like noble ideals to improve the community and make everybody else's life better. And I'm thinking like, I just want to finish like one single army. Yeah, like, that, that that's guys, a sentiment I can completely get on board with. Don't worry, I'm not worried about anybody else. Like, I want to get to the end of it. I want to be able to put a bow on it to say like this doesn't need anything else, and I am happy with how it stands currently. The closest I've ever gotten to that is my little traitor White Scars army that I made for uh, Zone Mortalis. And I love them dearly, but I created them solely to see if I could do like this uh, glowing magma effect on uh, power weapons. So uh, everybody else that puts like so much time and effort into like even the tiniest armies, you know, to get them started. And I was like, uh... These guys started because I wanted to see if I could paint glowing power weapons. Nice. It's, it's as good the reason as any, though. I mean, uh, yeah. thank you. I try. <laughs> and and you succeeded. I take it in in, a, in getting your glowing power weapons how you want. Uh, you're happy with them. Oh yeah, I would like to think so. Plus, I got to uh, pillage a bunch of those little trophy racks from Chaos Terminators. Uh, fun fact: with minimal modification they fit pretty great on top of a uh, tartarus armor and look pretty cool ah, nice yeah so the white stars are like this little uh roving band of like head hunters nice it's very cool cool ideas yeah, so yeah. think about graham for your night orders for next year yeah it is that's my next project yeah cool, cool, cool. god when will it ever end i know it never does yeah um well, I think that kind of um, covers. Uh, I think I've covered. Yeah, everyone, everyone gave an answer. I can't 
So yeah, um, yeah cool. I think I think we'll, we'll we'll knock it on the head there um, because as Graham pointed out, we are approaching one o'clock in the morning UK time. Um, but I'd, I'd be really interested at some point, maybe in the middle of the year, sort of regrouping and seeing where we are. Um, sort of next year and, and going forwards maybe just sort of every so often just sort of having a, a con flab and a catch up about it all yeah absolutely yeah that'd be cool uh, yeah that would be good so um thank you guys so much for joining us um really appreciate you guys taking the time to to, to join us and to, to get involved in our show and um yeah uh, just well, thank you very much yeah it's been absolutely awesome guys thanks so much for giving up your time what the hell that's what that is. It's been a real pleasure to hear from you. And some really thousand miles of heresy. I know. <laughs> it's been fascinating to hear your guys' um, views and ideas and insights from, you know, outside, from a global perspective, rather than just from our own kind of little bubble. So yeah. it's been really, really useful. And I really enjoyed this. So thanks ever so much. Yeah, likewise. And thank you for the invite. This was a lot of fun. And I don't have to edit. I don't have to edit. Poor no. Michael. <laughs> really two hours we, we i'm can sorry send it to you, we advance. can send it to you if you want jesse no 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 no. that's fine that's fine we'd like compare the two and release here. the one we like the most ah. yeah. so, edit so, off jeez yeah okay cool thanks very much awesome guys. thanks again guys thank you take care everybody bye-bye good night all good morning all afternoon thousand sons so bad at making pies because all is crust